Welcome to Beyond the Diamond, the podcast that goes far beyond the game. I'm your host, Danielle D. Rubin, and I'm here to empower young women, parents, and coaches in the world of fast pitch softball. As the owner and founder of DR3 Fast Pitch, I'm passionate about bringing you inspiring stories, valuable insights, and expert advice to help you excel both on and off the field. So whether you're a player looking to take your skills to the next level, a parent supporting your young athlete, or a coach seeking to make a difference, you're in the right place. Let's dive in and go beyond the diamond together. Hello, everyone. Thank you for coming to this week's episode of Beyond the Diamond. I am here with guest speaker Paige Halstead, who I am trying not to fangirl over right now. I've already had this conversation <laughs> with her, but I'm a big fan of Paige. She played at UCLA. I remember watching her on TV growing up and I'm just so happy to have her on here. I got the pleasure of meeting her at the NFCA convention 2023 in Louisville. I almost said Texas and Louisville and <laughs> when I met you, it was just amazing. So thank you so much for being on here today. Of course. No, thank you for having me. I'm excited to get going on all of this. It's, it's awesome. Yes. And so I wanted to give I can get my PowerPoint to work. Here we go. So I wanted to kind of talk about your background a little bit. I mean, you've gone through so much and uh, such an inspiration to all softball players, not just catcher specific. And Thank I just want you. you to kind of touch on a little bit of your journey leading into UCLA a little bit. Like yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Recruit you to go more into like the recruiting side. Of it. Yeah. So like, just like okay. when, how old were you when you got recruited and what okay. was kind of that process looking like for you? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, times were different back then. Um, I mean, I graduated high school in 2015, so a lot of different rulings um, were in place, but for my recruiting journey, um, I actually went to a lot of different camps when I was around, oh my gosh, like eighth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. Um, I started super young. I didn't even know like where I wanted to go or what college even was at that age because um, I was so young. Um, but that was kind of the time of a lot of athletes getting recruited. Um, so I was I was pretty young when everything started to happen. Um, I remember I went to a UCLA camp when I was in eighth grade um, and I fell in love with it. Um, I was getting recruited by a lot of different colleges um, in in that experience was a little bit tough for me um, just because I was super young and I, I couldn't really, you know, it was hard for me to see myself at a college at that age. Um, and so that was a little bit hard to deal with. Um, but thankfully, I had a great support system behind me with my parents um, and brothers that helped me through it. So um, definitely very young, but I did um, commit basically I verbaled my um, end of my eighth grade year into my freshman year of high school to UCLA so um, you know crazy chaoticness with all the recruiting camps and calling coaches and you know being nervous to write emails and everything um, but yeah it was I was very young but it was definitely worth it um, and I'm thankful for you know everything that UCLA has done for me um, and I, I don't think I would go back and, and change it so yeah that's, that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> and then like verbaling at eighth grade. I mean, I just know some of these listeners are their eyes are probably like popping out of their head right now. And I heard, I mean, back in I graduated high school 2016 and there were some girls verbaling. I mean, I knew people verbaling in eighth grade, ninth grade, and I verbaled beginning of my sophomore year. But mm -hmm. I mean, times have changed for sure. Do you <laughs> yes. and I know your journey was amazing there. 
But like thinking back like to today's world, I mean, do you think verbaling that early is something that should be allowed again? Or do you think like we do need to wait a little deeper in that process? I mean, how was that for you verbaling so early? Yeah, I think, you know, you can go both ways. I think, um, you know, I was very young and I think that the rulings that are in place now are a lot better because it gives girls a lot more time to kind of think and figure out where you see yourself for the next four years. Um, and you're a little bit more mature in that decision making as well. So um, for me, again, I wouldn't go back and change it. But I think if I had, you know, a little bit more time, um, I would be a little bit more mature and be like, okay, like, um, not saying that I wasn't confident, but I was just so young, you know, mm -hmm. and I think that um, girls nowadays are a lot more confident in their decision and they kind of understand, okay, I'm going to major in this because, you know, back then I was in eighth grade. I didn't even know what a major was. You know, I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to be for the rest of my life. I didn't really go into the decision-making process of like, okay, yeah, I'm going to major in this. It was more of like, oh, I love UCLA. I love the softball program. Um, you know, obviously the academics are amazing, but at that age, like you don't really, you can't really foresee that, you know? So, um, I think today's rulings are a huge plus for girls just because they can kind of understand the university as a whole instead of just the athletic program, you know? For sure. And then even also, I mean, just with bodies developing, I mean, I know you had to got <laughs> stronger and grow more from eighth grade till 12th grade. I mean, how, yes. <laughs> how big of a jump was that for you as far as because I mean you're how tall oh gosh like six one <laughs> six one and I just yeah being such a tall catcher I mean I just always <laughs> loved that about you but oh, being you. in eighth grade did you were you super tall at that point I mean do you think your height had something to do with also being able to excel in your athletic skills at that young of an age still yeah so I think um I mean, you know, as an athlete, sometimes you can't really see yourself, if that makes sense. Um, it was really hard for me to kind of realize the skill set that I had and what I looked like to college coaches. Um, but I definitely, I wasn't, um, you know, at my fullest potential potential when I committed, you know. So um, I think for me, there was a, when I actually, when I verbaled, there was a lot of stories of girls verbaling so early and then decommitting because, mm -hmm they either didn't um, put in the work or they just kind of like, um, you know, it just, it kind of, you get a little bit complacent. Um, and for me, that was like my biggest fear and I didn't want that to happen to me. So I think once I verbaled, I like took it up a notch because I wanted to be that impact player and, you know, earn it in a way. Um, and so, yeah, I think actually when I was recruited, I was recruited as a shortstop utility player. I wasn't even recruited as a catcher. Yeah, so <laughs> I think, um, you know, for me, I really had to focus on all different skill sets um, as an athlete. And then when I went in there my freshman year, they were like, we need you to catch. And I was like, okay, thank goodness I've been working on catching, you know. So um, I think it just, you know, verbaling that early definitely gave me an idea of like, okay, this is how I need to train. This is what they're doing up at the university. Um, so it definitely gave me that like cushion of knowing how to train. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's tough for girls to kind of, um, I don't know, verbal that early and, and, you know, have that much time to be like, okay, how am I going to train? How am I going to stick to this plan? You know? So, um, that was kind of like my biggest fear of verbaling and then decommitting later on, you know? 
Well, thank you for sharing that. And that's so cool. I did not know that you were verbaled as a shortstop utility. Yes. Um, <laughs> so were you were assumed that you did catch and travel ball or did you just learn to catch at UCLA? Yeah. So I actually didn't even start catching until I was basically in, in high school or taking it seriously then. So, um, yeah, I actually, I had like baseball instructors and everything when I was catching. So, um, yeah, that was, that was definitely a shock when I was there, but I was excited just to even get to play. So, um, it was, it was a crazy journey for sure. No, that's awesome. And so now fading <laughs> into your journey at UCLA, I mean, what are some highlights of just playing under one of the best coaches in the nation and one of the best <laughs> schools in the nation? I mean, I would love to hear some of your highlights of just being at UCLA. I mean, like that just <laughs> like, that's a dream for me, like being able to play at a school like that. Like, what are some of your yeah. biggest highlights? Oh gosh, I have so many. Um, but I think, um, I think the person that I grew into is definitely my biggest accomplishment. Um, I definitely wouldn't be here today without the coaches and the teammates that I had surrounding me at the time. Um, I mean, my class that I was with, they, they're all amazing. And I think, you know, we're still friends today. So um, I just think the highlights that I have, they focus more on the person that you are instead of the athlete that you are, um, which is very rare to find, I feel like, in universities. Um, and yeah, I just, I feel like I've, I've grown as a person and I'm still connected to them today, um, which is huge, you know, as an alumni. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, obviously getting to play in the national championship game my senior year was like my career highlight for, for everything. Um, it definitely made everything worth it. The recruiting process, travel ball, all the, you know, good days, bad days, it made everything worth it. And it's such a, a surreal feeling to, have that experience with the teammates that you know you've been with for four years so I think that's definitely one of my my career highlights for sure um but just UCLA overall as a university is is absolutely amazing and it's definitely made me the person that I am today so no well I love that and again being able to play for a national championship your senior year is just kind of like that full circle moment of everything coming together so that's just so yes. awesome um, <laughs> thank you so since UCLA and you graduated, what year? Uh, 2019. So 2019, played four yes. years at UCLA. When did you play for Team USA? Oh, goodness. Um, so I actually, it was my sophomore year in college, um, sophomore, junior year. And then I actually played a little bit, actually, I think freshman year too and in, in college. So I was um, younger when I played for Team USA. Um, but yeah, that was also another incredible experience that I never thought that I would have too. So, and with that, I mean, that was under Mike Candrea was the coach of the team at the time, correct? N no. So, um, oh my gosh, oh my, coach Erickson, coach Erickson and coach Rittman, um, and then coach Dobbs too, from LSU were the coaches. Okay. Yes. And then that was not during Olympic times, was it? That no. So that was um actually I finished with them right before they got into the Olympics. So I was on the Olympic team, um, but never actually got to, to go to the Olympics. But it's it was still such a great experience. No, I love that. Awesome. <laughs> and then you were going so from UCLA played at USA, um, the Olympic team during your time at UCLA, and then you got into the pro league. When did that yes. start? What team did you end up playing for then? 
Yes. So um, I actually played for Athletes Unlimited, which is based out of Chicago. Um, and it was their first year. Um, and it was actually during COVID. So I got the opportunity to play with them. And it was a shortened season. So it was only six weeks long. Um, but the setup was amazing. And they're just an incredible organization. And I, you know, was, feel very honored to even be able to play with them because they have such amazing athletes there and you know the culture that they bring is incredible too so that was a that was a really cool experience and i'm so happy that we finally have like pro just taken to a new level i feel like athletes yes. it is like just a new level i loved watching the games this past year um i got yes. into them a little bit more and just mm -hmm. I just think that's so awesome. It's giving girls more of an opportunity after college um, yes. to fight for something mm -hmm. to play and compete, which is just amazing. So that's so awesome yeah. that you're on this team. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, it's it's incredible what they're doing. And it's just it just keeps growing too. Um, and mm -hmm. I see it more and more every year on ESPN. And you know, that's something that's very crucial for our younger generation to look up to, you know, because there is something outside of college and it gives them the opportunity to connect with other softball players and, you know, kind of build a legacy there at Athletes Unlimited. So it's it's great what they're doing, for sure. It's not just other softball players. It's the best of the best softball players. Like that's what <laughs> yeah. literally yes. like the best, best in the country coming together, playing together, switching teams. I mean, uh, yeah. the whole thing just next amazing um yes, yeah and so now outside I mean will you be going back do you plan have plans to be <laughs> going back to play for athletes unlimited oh man um you know I'm putting I... you on the spot sorry <laughs> <laughs> no it's okay <laughs> I don't know I I really don't know I think right now um being with all-star that's kind of my my next chapter um you know, you always have that feeling of wanting to go back and play um, just because I, I know you can relate to this too. We're just so passionate about the game. Um, but I think, you know, I'm 26, so <laughs> I think my time is done. Um, but I think I'm just kind of focusing on giving back to the game and, and doing as much as I can support and help the growth of softball in general. So. Yes. No, and I love, and again, I feel the same way. If I could go back, I would. Part of me is like, I got one year of eligibility left in college. <laughs> It's not happening too old for that um <laughs> but like you we're starting our own we have our own businesses trying to grow the game me pitching yes. you catching and I'd love mm -hmm. for you to just kind of talk about all-star a little bit oh yeah thank you um I actually so I'm partnered with all-star now I've been with them for about two and a half years uh which is another surreal opportunity that you know I'm just grateful for to even be on this platform um but yeah, I, I partnered with them about two and a half years ago, and we've been in the works of creating my own line of gear. It's called the PHX gear, um, and we've been designing it, creating it, and testing it on amazing athletes, and it's finally launched this past September, so it's been super cool just to see the impact of it um, and all the amazing feedback we've gotten about the gear. Um, again, like we have it in universities, and it's like, it's so crazy for me to um, you know, even see my gear in action. It's something I can't even explain, you know? So um, I'm just super grateful to be with All-Star. They're a great company and, you know, what they do over there is is something that I want to be aligned with. So it's just, it's amazing to see for sure. And then with All-Star, I know it's gear. Are you also yeah. doing like clinics and lessons with that company or is that something you do on your own or what's that journey look like for you? 
Yeah, so specifically with All Star is just my catching gear and then my glove with them. Um, and then I have my own catching business on this side, uh, but I'm based in Southern California. So I do a lot of lessons, clinics, camps, um, all the things. So okay. <laughs> sweet. No, I love it. All right. Thank well, thank you. you for sharing about your background a little bit. We're <laughs> going to kind of switch gears into pitcher catcher relationship tips. And yes. this is something where you and I can bounce off of each other a lot, but mm -hmm. being able to, I mean, I want to relate this more towards your, like the women's college world series, national championship, your senior year, like thinking back yes. around that time, prepare, mm -hmm. mentally trying to prepare your pitchers mentally, yes. you trying to prepare <laughs> at the end of the day mm -hmm. catchers. And I'd love to hear your opinion on this. When I explain okay. the role of a pitcher and a catcher, the pitcher mm -hmm. is the leader of the field, but the catcher is the mother and the mother is in charge of the, and the mother is <laughs> and like the mother is in charge of everyone. Like you can see all eight players in front of you and you're yeah. the control center. And mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a lot of responsibility. Like it, it's a lot, especially just handling a pitcher itself. We're divas. Like I get it. Like we're, <laughs> we're divas. We all have our own little styles and our own little routines and we expect that's our okay. <laughs> We expect our catchers to kind of fall. And I don't know if expects the right word. Like for me, I always like training my catcher. Like, hey, this is what works mm -hmm. for me. It might not work for her, but this is how, like, I need these nonverbal cues. I need this body language. Like you tell me this and I know what I need to do. You might have no idea right. what it is pitching related, but mm -hmm. you see this, give me this, I can make an adjustment. And yes. that's just so important to be able to like build that and have that connection. And I would love to hear any tips that you kind of learned maybe from like your freshman to senior year that really helped elevate that pitcher catcher relationship and how y'all maintained that in a game? Yeah. Um, first of all, I love the mother analogy. I think that's perfect. <laughs> um, I've never <laughs> used that for now on. <laughs> um, but it, it's so true because I mean, I think freshman year, um, obviously going into college as a freshman is kind of nerve wracking in general. Um, and being a catcher the first year, um, I was a very quiet and soft-spoken person. I still am. Um, and I think I had to elevate my communication um, my freshman year in order to play. So, um, you know, going in there as a very soft-spoken leader, um, that was kind of difficult for me to adjust to, if that makes sense. Um, but I think from my freshman year to my senior year, what I really, I, I had to kind of hold myself accountable to getting outside of my box and um, understanding that it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to, um, you know, have trouble with my communication if I yell the wrong bag or say the wrong play um, and just really understand that there are no mistakes um, and kind of getting all that out in practice. I think that that really helped me. And I owe a lot to my coach too, my head coach, um, Kelly Inouye, who was a catcher and she kind of taught me, you know, that it is okay to yell the wrong bag, but you just have to be confident in your decisions, you know? And I think that's the biggest thing that I tell my lessons is that no matter what happens, as long as you're confident in the play that you're calling, it's all going to be okay, you know? So um, I think communication-wise, I really had to hold myself accountable, um, you know? And the other thing is like being approachable, right? So with my pitcher-catcher relationships, I... You know, I had to catch extra bullpens just to understand, you know, how do I how do I relate to my pitcher a little bit more today if she's on an off day? You know, how do I 
if she's throwing a change up and it's a ball, like how do I respond to that? How do I kind of help her in different ways? Um, and kind of knowing how to approach different personalities is what I worked on my whole career at UCLA. So um, I I really take pride in my relationships with my pitchers just because, you know, they're throwing a full game and they like you really have to know as a catcher how to approach them in different situations. So I think that's very crucial as a catcher. Is there so like in a bullpen when you're learning your catcher or you're learning your pitchers, you're learning the different spins as like the ball might break a little different per pitcher, um, yes. the rotation and all that. So you're learning the physical side, but when it comes to the mental side, I mean, what are some tactics that you have observed? Like, and I'll give an example, like for me, when I'm working, so I have two degrees in special education. So I'm very big on like mm -hmm. reading personalities and understanding, okay, I might not be able to word it this way to her and based on right. her body language, like how I approach her that way. But right. coming from a catcher's perspective, mm -hmm. I mean, when, how did you have the relationships of when you'd be like, Hey, I got to get in your face a little bit more, like get your head out of your butt verse. Hey, like, where are we going out to eat tonight? Like just trying to like change. The <laughs> I mean, what were some situations that you might remember from UCLA or U or USA where you had to mm -hmm. have, be like a little bit more stern on your pitcher versus you had to be a little bit more relaxed and joking just to calm her down a different way? Yes, I have so many examples. Um, I think, I mean, obviously I had a lot of different um, pitchers and personalities, but I did, her name is actually Megan Framo and she is a, a stud pitcher and she is, um, you know, very motivated, very like um, needs to be hyped up. And I think, you know, she was younger than me. So she came in after. Um, so whenever I would catch her, I had to be a little bit more heightened, if that makes sense. Um, and kind of like hyper up in different situations, because that's what worked for her. And that's what made her succeed. Uh, but on the other hand, I had um, another pitcher that was more of like, if she was in a stressful situation, I had to say a joke, you know, I had to like, call time and be like, hey, you know, like what are like exactly what you said? What are we having for dinner tonight? Or like, you know, just to kind of take her mind off of the situation at hand. Um, and I think, you know, everybody's different and everybody's going to deal with stressful situations differently. Um, if it's getting hyped up, if it's taking your mind off of it, if it's um, you know, maybe when you're in the dugout, discuss like, okay, what hitters are coming up? How are we gonna pitch them? You know, almost being prepared for that next step but everybody's different and I think um you know that's the biggest thing as a catcher you have to kind of understand um different personalities and, and that helps you outside of softball too you know when you're in your career field I think being a catcher has helped me so much in that in that way too so mm -hmm. yeah there's there's a lot of different things that you kind of have to um deal with as a catcher but I I wouldn't change it for the world now, at the college level, you have the luxury of being able to see your teammates almost every single day, whether it's practice, weights, workout, something. <laughs> In the travel ball world, you might only see each other once or twice a week at practice, at most, maybe, and then mm -hmm. on the weekends. So how do you, what's right. a tip that you have for building that pitcher-catcher relationship outside of being on the ball field? Yeah, um, I mean, going to lunch, going to coffee, Um I, I know it sounds a little bit crazy, but in college, my coach gave us like um, a pitching chart. So we would have to go over it with our pitchers every single day and be like, okay, what pitch would you throw in this situation? What are you comfortable throwing in this situation? 
um, even like out, outside of practice, like talk for an hour and, you know, be with your pitcher and be like, hey, what do you feel comfortable? Uh, what, what pitches do you feel comfortable throwing today? You know, just I think outside conversations, even if you meet up at the mall or something, um, just to kind of get to know each other on a different level. Um, and, you know, that's going to obviously relate into the game as well. If you kind of know how to approach each other um, and you just have to you have to be a student of the game uh, as a catcher. You know, you really have to know um, just different ways to approach your pitcher and and understand, OK, if she's feeling down in a certain day, how am I going to hype her up? You know, how am I going to help? And you you are kind of like a servant heart as a catcher. You know, you really have to um you just have to help, you know, and, and that's the biggest thing that I, I kind of focused on when I was at UCLA is just helping in, in different ways. And if it was, you know, it doesn't even have to be my pitcher, it can be my third baseman or first baseman, you know, you really have to have that like servant heart and be like, okay, how can I help this, this girl today? You know, so that's yeah. heart. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Heart, but <laughs> One of the tips that I give, um, and I do some mentoring with coaches. Um, I have a little mentorship. People can do little lessons with me on that. And one of the topics that I had last week, he was like, okay, I'm struggling with pitchers. Three pitchers only work good with like two catchers and the other one right. doesn't work with so-and-so. And, -so. and right. they only practice once a week. The girls live hours away. Sometimes they don't all show up. And my advice, right. I'd love to hear what yours would be as well. But my mm -hmm. tip to him was, these girls, if you're not going to show up to practice, it's a weekly Zoom call where there's one coach kind of monitoring it and you have mm -hmm. questions every single week and the girls are going to, for 15 minutes, you do the group call and then they break off into whether, you know, if these are the two starting pitcher, I, I don't like saying like starters and not starters when I talk travel right. ball with the girls just to not get that in their head, but Right. I said something around the lines of, okay, so you have the little group meeting first, you're hosting, you're telling them what the topics are, you're telling who is talking to who today, and that's kind of your game mm -hmm. plan of what's going on in the weekend, and they have mm -hmm. to answer XYZ questions, and it's their mental training practice. I'm like, if you're yeah. not going to build that relationship at the field, we have to find ways to build that, or it's just not going to connect, and so yeah. like, for that. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I I agree with you, and I think that's kind of the only way if they're not gonna um be at practice. You know, I think um, any way that you can connect. I mean, in college we did like team bonding where we had to do like a military style um you know workouts, and it's just I think different ways um to just be present with each other is just gonna help your chemistry as a team overall. So I think that's that's great advice, um, and I I really think that's the only way if you know, we can't connect on the field and there has to be something else. And, you know, if it's a Zoom call, if it's, you know, you guys just call each other. Like, I, I think anything is anything like that's going to help, you know, it's just making it intentional because like, like you said, yeah. you have to be a student of the game. If you want to be elite, you have to train elite and right. you're the definition of elite right here. So this stuff is <laughs> second nature. I feel like for you, I mean, it just happens or you've learned it and you've gone through it. But for some of these girls, like I give realistic checks with them. I'm like, Hey, if you want right. to be the best and you want to play at a UCLA, you want to play it in Alabama, you want to play it in Oklahoma. It's not mm -hmm. just doing this once a week. It is being intentional right. about what you're doing, your communication, your mental game on top of all the reps and the physical game, but it's yes. yeah. learning all aspects. And that's just the difference between a good player, a great player and an elite level player is that yeah. intentionality. 
Yeah, 100%. I agree. And I think, like you said, it's not just the physical aspect, like you can, you can train however much you want to, but it's, it's also the mental side, you know, and that's what I kind of struggled with in college is my confidence, right? But you kind of have to be accountable and, and work on it. You know, if, if you want to get somewhere, you're going to do it. But if you don't want to, you're not going to do it, you know, so mm -hmm. it's like, um, I think every everything connects as as an athlete. You know, and one of the things that you said, and it just caught my attention, I didn't interrupt you earlier, but you're more on the soft spoken side and I'm completely yes. the opposite. I am <laughs> loud, outgoing. I'll embarrass myself, <laughs> say maybe too much. I talk too much. Um, so that being said, just two different personalities being able to mesh. I mean, what could someone who is a little bit more outgoing and outspoken help mm -hmm with someone who is a little bit more on the softer spoken side as far as the pitcher catcher relationship like what could I have done as a pitcher to potentially make you more comfortable to get out of your shell a little bit more to give me the energy that I need as a pitcher yeah um oh gosh I think I mean because I had a pitcher that was kind of outgoing um I think it's just kind of creating like a safe place and knowing that there are no mistakes you know there's because I see a lot of that I see if like um if a catcher calls a a pitch that the pitcher doesn't like, like there's some, I wouldn't say attitude, but there's some like tension, you know? And to me, it's like, I actually never experienced that with any of the pitchers that I caught ever. And I'm so grateful to say that. Um, but I think it was because we were just kind of in an understanding of like, okay, I'm learning and you're learning too. And it's kind of like a safe place of like, there are no mistakes, you know? So um, I also hated to feel like I was in the wrong. And I like, I always felt guilty if I like called a, a pitch that got hit as a home run. I was like, oh my gosh, that's on me. But I had such great pitchers that were kind of like, hey, like it's okay. You know, there, there's that wasn't a mistake. It, it happened. You know, like like let's how are we gonna respond to that? So um I think like just understanding that it's kind of a learning environment, no matter no matter like what situation, what game you're in, you're constantly learning as an as an athlete. So I think that that would help. <laughs> And then before I jump into advice for beginner catchers, advice that you would give, because with my big just personality and when I do mental training sessions with girls, I mm -hmm. am doing one thing that I try to do for myself is I'm trying to learn more personality types because mm -hmm. I know like certain per personality types respond to certain things. And so that's kind of what yeah. I'm doing in my mentorship, per like for me learning and growing the game a little bit more is diving deeper into personality types because one okay. of the big advices that I give is, I mean, I always say like, be a beast, be a dog, like go out there. Like you said, there's yeah. no mistakes, like give it a hundred percent effort, a hundred percent positive attitude. And your goal is to get 1% better that day. And then you right. can go to bed feeling confident. Like if you right. don't have to be the best, but you're just trying to give it your all and have fun yeah. doing it all the time, mm -hmm. money, and effort we put into this, like, let's have some fun and just go out there and be crazy. And I, that's just kind of yeah. the advice that I give a little bit. But I love that. When you are a little bit more on the soft spoken side, I feel like I, I guess what advice would you give for you're trying to get out of your shell? And you already said mm -hmm. like how a pitcher can help you a little bit. But mm -hmm. thoughts that go on in your head as far as like, being able to communicate, not just with your teammate, but to like yourself, like things that you can yeah. say to yourself to help empower you a little bit more. It might not be that yes. be a dog, let's go. Like, that's how I talk <laughs> to myself. Like, how right. do you 
how would you talk to yourself in a sense to either hype you up or boost you up or to get you out of like a little rut to put you back mm-hmm. up in that positive mental space? Yeah. Um, if we're catching like, or if we're talking about like catching specifically, um, I, it was really easy for me to feel embarrassed, especially my freshman year. I remember, oh my gosh. Um, I don't know if you know Alexis Bennett, but she was our center fielder when I was a freshman and she, um, she was like top dog. Like she was the one, she was a beast. Um, and she was kind of like the captain of the team. And I remember being there my freshman year and I, my coach as a catcher made me try to communicate to her and all the way in center field because I was so soft-spoken. And uh, I remember being so embarrassed because she couldn't hear me and I had to say it like 10 different times. Um, And I think that kind of, like, that's embarrassing, you know, as as a, a freshman catcher, it's like, okay, I'm supposed to be a leader, but my center fielder can't hear me, you know? So I think that kind of like flipped a switch in my mind um and again credit to my coach because I didn't feel embarrassed any other time like that was the top embarrassment for me and I was like you know what this is never happening happening again to me um I'm gonna be okay with feeling embarrassed and I'm gonna almost like over talk if that makes sense over communicate um and any chance that I got after that um I knew I knew I wanted to play so I knew I had to kind of make a change and it was almost like I had to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And I say that a lot, um, but that's that's the only thing that kind of, you know, held me accountable to my communication because if I can't communicate on the fields and nobody can hear me, then how am I helping my team, you know? And I think I just wanted to be the best catcher for my team in general. And I needed to communicate. That was like my weakness. Um, and once I kind of got that on lock, it was like, it was different things that I kind of had to um, go about showing my leadership as a catcher. And it was like, okay, if I can't communicate to my center fielder, then I'm going to communicate to my third baseman. And then she's going to go around the horn and communicate for me. Um, Mm -hmm. So there are like, there are different ways that I kind of had to incorporate um, until I got to that point of, okay, you know what, I'm not going to care about any outside noise. I'm just going to be as loud as I can and over communicate and see what happens, you know? So it's like, you kind of just have to get outside of your box. Um, And I know sometimes it feels embarrassing or you just don't want to do it because you're kind of like in your own zone. Um, But for me, I really had to feel uncomfortable to get 1% better, like you were saying. So I think that, you know, the embarrassment part for me, I was, I like, I couldn't, I didn't want to feel that ever again, you know? And I kind of had to flip the switch and be like, you know what, let's just do it. Let's see what happens, you know? So. I love that being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Like I say that yes. literally probably 30 times a day um, <laughs> and fun little fact. And I think, I don't know if I launched this on the last podcast for something I'm doing that's uncomfortable. So listeners, I'm doing like hip hop classes that nobody knows no about podcast, but it's one-on-one hip hop classes because I always say you got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. I'm like, I haven't done something. I love and- that five years that's made me uncomfortable so I've done five sessions so far and so that's (laughs) the thing that I'm doing in my personal life trying to get out of my comfort zone since I preach it on a daily basis yeah that's so awesome and that's that's (laughs) the type of stuff that we need to do you know because it just it's going to grow us as a person too you know so that that's so cool I need to start doing that for sure (laughs) No, I, I love it. I mean, it's awesome. This It's just getting me out of my zone. It's something that I'm like embarrassed to dance. And I'm like, you know what? I'm embarrassed. Let's go have fun and be embarrassed and take some lessons. Yeah. 
so yeah you got to embrace who you are too you know it's like yes. I, I think that was the biggest thing that I was so um I guess shy um and you know I just I needed to embrace who I was and I think that I didn't really do that until my senior year of college and I wish I can go back and you know work on it a little bit more but things happen for a reason and now now I preach that to everybody that I train you know you have mm -hmm. to kind of you just you have to get outside your box because life is, is so short you know so. and that's something that getting outside of my box it's even now it's like I'm able to own my personality a little bit more I'm able to own yeah. what I do and it's not I used to think like, oh, these classes are embarrassing. Like, I'm never going to talk about this on DR3. I'm never going to show anything. <laughs> and I don't want anybody to know about these. But I mean, after today, <laughs> I had one this morning. So after today, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm owning it. I'm having fun and I'm yeah. failing and it's not pretty. But I just tips that I give to my girls all the time. Yeah, but, no, that's awesome. That's so cool. <laughs> I love it. Well, advice for beginner catchers. And one thing yes. that I know we've briefly discussed a little bit is that there's the amount of catchers that I know. I mean, I know just catchers that I played with growing up. Some of them never even took a catching lesson. They did catching lessons with mom and dad or like from YouTube okay. and they were still like the best, like they were great in this area. But mm -hmm. I mean, there's just not enough catching coaches. Like there's not right. enough. <laughs> Girls are not in enough lessons for catching. I mean, do you right. see that out yeah. in California as much as I do here in Georgia? <laughs> yeah yeah I do I think it's definitely very limited um a hundred percent and I mean when I was growing up I was I took catching instructions from a baseball guy you know because mm -hmm. my brother played baseball and again there was like nobody that um I could find you know and, and I love the baseball style of catching and so that's how I kind of grew from there but um yeah I think it's very limited a hundred percent and so pitching Parents ask me all the time, like, how often do I need to be in lessons? And my right away, my answer is depends on how much money, time and effort you want to put into this, because right. there was right. weeks where I did three pitching lessons a week and that's expensive. And there is weeks where mm -hmm. I could only afford one or only do one. But it's putting that time. It's being disciplined, even if I couldn't go to a lesson of still being able to put my work in. But I'm like pitching yeah. is its own sport within itself. If you want to be an mm -hmm. elite pitcher and an elite ball player, you have to do twice the work like. Right, sorry right and yeah I would put that catching if you want to be an elite mm -hmm. catcher and an elite ball player I mean you're putting more work in than like a center fielder shortstop in the sense of your training to be an overall softball mm -hmm. player and just this and crucial mother position yeah I mean how yeah. often are your catchers to be training on the little details yeah, I mean, um, I, I think same thing as you, you know, I, I think there's something that they can work on every single day. Uh, but again, I'm, I'm a different type of mindset where when I was growing up, I wanted to do that. You know, I didn't want to take any days off, um, obviously, unless we had games or anything like that. But I truly think that you can get a little bit better every single day. Um, and with lessons, what I do, um, I do like clinics and I do one-on-one -on -one lessons. But I think um, for me, even growing up, I only did one lesson a week. Um, but I think nowadays, at least like two, just because I can track like the progress that they're making too. Um, but again, like if, if we can only do one, um, there's just, there's something that you guys can still work on every day. Um, even if you do only have one lesson a week, you know, what would be those little fundies? I call them fundies for pitching, which is your spin <laughs> daily, your grip strengthening daily, 
What else mm-hmm. do I have? Their dry pitches. So kind of like their daily fundies, no matter what age they are, it's like spin mm-hmm. work, their grip training to strengthen their grip and their dry pitches to keep their body rhythmic within their motion. I mean, what would be maybe yeah. your top three fundies for catchers? Yeah. Um, well, I do a lot of like plyo ball work. Um, so weighted framing, um, I mean, just like dry transitions, if depends on the age, right? So if we're throwing mm-hmm. off of our knees, we can do dry throwdowns off our knees or, um, uh, thrown off our feet, same thing. So just, you know, in general, um, what I would do is, is focus on framing every single day. Um, just kind of receiving and, you know, because once you get into a rhythm of it, um, it's just going to make you that much better. Um, but yeah, I think framing, um, any, any sort of like, um, throwdowns that you can do is going to be huge for you just to stay consistent with it. What's the hardest mechanical aspect do you think is tougher for beginner catchers to grasp? Would it be like blocking or framing or the throwdowns? I mean, what do you, what tendency do you see a little bit more? Um, I think throwdowns, throwdowns for sure. Yeah. And it, it depends because, um, you know, are they throwing down off their knees or their feet, you know? So I think that's something that in general, what I kind of help them with is get comfortable throwing off their feet. And then we can kind of work into knee throwdowns just because, you know, that that's very difficult to learn just in general, um, even for an advanced catcher. So, um, those are definitely like the two that are very hard for them to learn. I feel like. And is there any at home drills? I know we can't really showcase a drill right now, but (laughs) at home drills to maybe help with the knee downs. I mean, like throwing and falling into a pillow, like I'm just guessing over here, but it's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. Actually for me, um, some drills that I do, I always talk about like body alignment towards second base. Um, the more consistent that they are with their body um, to the back that they're throwing with, the better their throws are going to be. Um, so I actually do, um, if they have a bat at home or a PVC pipe, I have them put it like in their elbows and they go through like their throwing motion. Obviously they can't throw, um, but just kind of like get to their push off. And if that bat or if that pipe is like aligned to second base, so that means that their, you know, their body's aligned. So um, I always try to focus on like the specific fundamentals because I feel like you have to have a good foundation to kind of work from. Um, so if they can start doing that, um, that's just going to kind of create that, that foundation that we need in order to work, work off of that. No, I love that. And then the last (laughs) thing I want to just touch on, I mean, catchers, y'all got strong glutes, strong legs. I mean, your (laughs) lower half just squatting as much as y'all do. How important, which I know it's important, but as far, I want to know more at the college level, the mobility, the hip mobility stuff oh. that you did on top of strength training. I mean, what's that balance? Yes. Yeah. And that, that's something that is so, it's so slept on in, in my opinion, you know, and it's not very, it's not really mentioned too much. Um, but I can, I can tell you that the minute that I started to do yoga, my performance as a catcher got like 10 times better, you know, just because I wasn't having injuries because I was so um, mobile in my body and I was, you know, I was consistent with stretching and yoga and I can get lower in my squat and I just felt like I was a lot more um, powerful in a way. And I think that's something that um, is not really mentioned, especially in like the younger generation of catchers. Um, so I, I'm, I'm glad that you said that because it's, it's not really talked about too often, but I think it's super important for sure. Yeah one or two days a week they need to be doing that more daily 
Yeah, I mean, I would say daily. Not even gonna lie. I think I think that is like um, you know, just being consistent with it because the more you're consistent with it, the better you're gonna get. So I mean, if you're gonna start out with it, probably two times a week. But if you're like an elite type of catcher, I would try to do something every single day. You know. Okay. Yeah. My watch is going off. Oh, perfect. Okay. <laughs> well, Paige, thank you again so much for being on here today. It's been a pleasure of having course. you on here. It's an honor. Um, again, it was <laughs> so you. nice meeting you. I hope we can plan a pitcher catcher clinic together. I'd love to come out yes. to Cali and do one with you. Please do. That'd be so fun. Yes. Yeah, so we'll, we will chat about that. Now, please let all the listeners know how they can get in contact with you or find you on social media. Yes. Um, I mean, so my Instagram is just my name, Paige Halstead. And then I do have a website. It's pagehalstead.com. Um, and I have like a reach out form that has my email. So if you guys want to reach out to me, you can click that um, and I'll, I'll get your emails. So, and yeah. then the all-star name, is it just all-star FP? Is that correct? Yes. Yep. All-star fast pitch. Mm -hmm. yep. Okay. So if y'all need catching gear, catching gloves, make sure <laughs> look at Paige's new line that's so awesome yes. that she has a line out again Paige, <laughs> thank you thank you so much for being on here and I'm looking forward to chatting with you in the future yes thank you so much I appreciate thank it I so much fun <laughs> of course thank you for joining us on this episode of beyond the diamond connect with us on all social media platforms twitter facebook tiktok and youtube at dr3fastpitch but instagram is my biggest platform where I post daily content for questions or topic ideas, visit our website, dr3fastpitch.com, and submit the form on our homepage. I would love to feature you on our next episode. Remember, you can find all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on our website, dr3fastpitch.com. Stay tuned for more exciting discussions, stories, and insights in the world of fast pitch softball on the next episode of Beyond the Diamond. Until then, remember, the only thing that matters is the next pitch. Deep breath, next pitch. I will see you soon.